Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Wednesday, January the 23rd edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it's Senior Bowl week. Finally, I've got five hours of content to divulge for you guys here in a half hour on the podcast. We're going to do all of that, talk about the Dolphins' meets, who shined and who did not at practice on Tuesday. I'll give you some of the names to keep an eye on for the Dolphins, and we'll talk about the two top quarterbacks out in Mobile to close this thing out. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. That helps the podcast get out to more Dolphins, helps us continue to grow, and we have grown in January like no one's business. So thank you to all the listeners for doing the ratings, the reviews, and all that stuff on Apple Podcasts. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We're going to have this podcast in written format. But as usual, in more depth on the site up on LockedOnDolphins.com, we have plenty of other content from the rest of our staff there as well. Check that out. And also check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's get this thing cranking. That's another Miami Dolphins Ah, uh, it's the Senior Bowl once more, the time of year where I record five hours. Hours? Hours? One of those two. Five hours, three days worth of practice, ingesting every single second that I can, getting the notes from Daniel Jeremiah, from Charles Davis, and the game gets played on Saturdays, but the scouts, they all leave by that time anyway at the final practice on Thursday because the tape is available for the game on Saturday, so they'll just go back to the office or the organization's building, the facility, whatever you call it, and they'll watch the tape there and get their news and notes input into their database systems back at the facility from the practice, these meetings, the whiteboard sessions. All the stuff these guys do from Tuesday all the way through Thursday is the important stuff. That's what we're going to report on here on the podcast, get you all the Dolphins meets and the guys at positions that you should be keeping an eye on. And of course, it started on Tuesday morning with the measurements and two guys really stole the show there. And those are a pair of guys that the Dolphins could have their eye on to try to fix this defense or maybe re-evolve this defense into what it's supposed to be under Brian Flores. And I'm having a hard time finding the correct guys to fill out the body types for these positions because Montez Sweat and Charles Omenhu, I think I got that right from Texas, these guys are going 6'6", 250 with 35 and 7 8 inch arms. And then Omenhu, 6'5", 274 with 36 and a half inch arms. They have their palms scraping their kneecaps. Guys that have that length and that bend and that athletic ability. I think those types of guys might not be the best fit for this defense, possibly more of a linebacker mold to rush off that edge in this new defense. But you draft them, you can find a spot for them because they are going to be athletic freaks. And Montez Sweat really showed out in this game. We're going to talk, or in this practice, I should say, we're going to talk more about the quarterbacks later on in the episode. But Montez Sweat really won the day from the measurement to the one-on-one drills to the team portion. He was just a problem all day long. 
And that's really where all the big wins and losses come from in these practices is the O-line versus D-line drills because you really get the best look at the guys up against each other and how they can really show you their skill sets and their traits, their power, their speed, all that stuff is on display in these drills. And while the offensive linemen, are, they have baggy jerseys that can get held onto or pushed and pulled by the defensive line, or maybe the rush lanes are too big because guys aren't really being spatially aware like they would have to be in a game. Nonetheless, you still get a good look at these guys' raw traits, and I loved watching it. I'm going to go down my list of players here just off the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com titled Senior Bowl Day One Report. And looking at Montez Sweat, he, he led the article off with that length and athleticism and the bend, all the stuff I talked about. But the top offensive lineman for me on the day was Kansas State ultra do everything, tackle guard, whatever you want to call him, Dalton Reisner. He played four positions on the Kansas State offensive line. I think right guard was the only one that he didn't. He has a very strong anchor and he has the smarts and the wherewithal to redirect after he gets pushed back on that initial bull rush. He had some great reps with Zach Allen, who is a defensive end. I think you guys might want to get to know a little bit better. He went to Boston College. He is 285 pounds. I think those guys with the pure power that can knock guys back and play five tech is going to be the type of defensive end the Dolphins are going to look at and make their linebackers the ones that are more athletic that can range sideline to sideline. So Reisner, Zach Allen from BC, and then back on the defensive line in the interior, Greg Gaines from Washington had a hell of a day pushing people around with power. He is built low to the ground, 300 pounds, a bit of a squatty body. He was getting interior pressure all day long with a bull rush, and then he even threw in an arm over for good measure. I talked about Chris Lindstrom on the podcast yesterday and the article giving the preview of the Senior Bowl. He is a guard from Boston College. He had several good reps on the day, and he really stonewalled Omenhu, the Texas product, on a really good-looking rep where he had smooth feet and shuffled across to get to his spot and make that block. He played really well all day long. Wisconsin interior lineman Michael Dieter, he played well in practice as well. He did get off balance once or twice, but for the most part, he does have good, smooth feet, and he has 54 games of starting experience in Madison, Wisconsin, a fine technician. All those guys are always so well coached at Wisconsin. Another interior offensive lineman that I love in this draft, but he might be a first rounder, which means he might be out of range for the Dolphins in that second round pick where I'm looking at all these guys. Elston Jenkins from Mississippi State has huge, huge frame, massive body, massive base, a great ability to bend and anchor against power. Just so much power that he has. His hands can get a little bit wide outside of the framework, which forces him to grab and hold, but he's so big and strong with that wide base. I think he would be an ideal center and I would love to scoop him up in some way, some shape or form in this draft. Other center from North Carolina State, Garrett Bradbury, had a rough day, I thought. He's more of a zone type of center that can reach block, not going to really do much with the power. I think the Dolphins might try to get away from that this coming draft and going forward with this roster. Another edge player that I talked about on the podcast yesterday, Oregon edge Jalen Jelks. He had one really nice bull rush, which I was looking forward to seeing because his game is all about that speed and that burst off the get off from the line of scrimmage. So a nice change of pace from him there. Another defensive end that played really well on, on Tuesday, Jordan Ledbetter from Georgia. He kicked inside and did well there. Showed a nice long arm move where he was able to keep his man off of him and get by with the second arm under. A speed rush and he had a big, big impact on the team portion and practice. He had one of the better days all together. Another guard that didn't play well, in addition to Garrett Bradbury, Drew Samia from Oklahoma. He had a rough day in the one-on-one -on -one drills. And to close this segment out, the guy that I have been talking about all weekend, he came up from the Shrine game, Dalen Mack, the Texas A&M defensive tackle, a massive, massive dude with tree trunks for legs. He is so thick and so big and plays so low to the ground with that low pad level. There was a great story that Daniel Jeremiah told on the broadcast talking about Dalen Mack and how they always had one 
Whataburger on their team planes to the away games. And before the plane could even take off, Mac had already put down three double doubles or whatever they're called with cheese before the flight took off. So Thalen Mack having a big week on top of a big week last week. He is shooting up the draft boards. We'll keep it locked on him and the rest of this week at the Senior Bowl. And we'll get to more of these reports next, talking about the corners and the receivers and some quarterback talk and possibly a change of the prototype at quarterback. We got plenty more to get to, guys. Stay with us here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. Senior Bowl week, and we are rolling on talking about one-on-one drills. We already went over the offensive line and defensive line, two areas I expect the Dolphins to be very, very active in. And this next one, maybe not so much, but you just never know. And there's so many guys in this game that will go later on in the draft that really will get forgotten about from now until the draft. And Miami could be one of those teams. You never know. They do have a need at the X receiver position with Devontae Parker busting out the second cornerback spot. They're definitely going to have to address that. And so that's where we start on this segment of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can find me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Let's talk about the best name that's coming up in this draft and definitely the best name at the Senior Bowl. Might be one of the better players at the Senior Bowl and maybe my new favorite guy at the Senior Bowl. I've been a big fan of the Temple program for a long time just because they play a throwback style in a modern age where they want to hit you in the mouth and play that physical brand of football. I've always found that admirable. And Rock Yassin from Temple, a cornerback, a guy that was a four-year player at Presbyterian, a school that removed all their scholarships for 2018, had to be a graduate transfer to go to Temple, and he walks on campus in the spring for spring practices and immediately earns a single-digit number in the first week at spring practices. Why is that important? Temple votes from the the players themselves vote on the top nine toughest dudes on the team, and they all get single-digit jerseys. It's a huge honor at their program, something they have done for a long, long time. And to earn that respect right away was really cool to hear about. And you saw the physicality and the way he plays the game with confidence at the Senior Bowl on Tuesday. He was jamming up routes early. The inside hand jam is strong. And he has this little flip move where he does a little spin once he gets the inside release. He protects so well against the outside release, and this sometimes can have him overcommit, but that quick spin gets him back in shape and ready to make the play. His first two reps on the practice on Tuesday were both pass breakups. So good look from Rocky Asin. The guy that did get him was the South Carolina receiver, Debo Samuel. He was the best player on the field all day long. Smooth releases, can set the defensive back up, and very powerful hands. He was awesome. West Virginia receiver, David Sills, five. He The fifth, I should say. He is pure magic. Very smooth, quiet hands at the catch point. Subtle moves and tugs on the defender to get or to create separation up the stem, catches everything. His teammate, Gary Jennings from West Virginia, was also great in the practice. He showed the deep speed and the ability to stack a corner behind him. Penny Hart, five foot eight receiver from Georgia State, also Albert Wilson School, also a little bit taller than Jakeem Grant. He was a little jitterbug all over the field, making plays, catches, and getting deep on the defense. It was fun to see him. Keelan Doss, one of Daniel Jeremiah's favorite guys. He got a comparison to Keenan Allen in this game or this practice. He could be Parker's replacement at the X position on the outside to the boundary. He goes six foot three, very smooth feet, clean releases, looks very good as a receiver there from UC Davis. Another Jeremiah favorite was Jordan Brown, the South Dakota corner. He showed some physical presence at the line of scrimmage. A lot of pressing in this practice, and some guys did well with it, some guys did not. The other cornerback that I loved on the podcast yesterday that I love even more today after watching him play is Amani Oruware. 
think I got it right that time, from Penn State, has tons of confidence and plays with that swagger on the field. Going to use that word a lot over this process, I'm sure. He does take it almost personal when a receiver tries to cross his face, and he can wall them off to the perimeter and pin them to the sideline very, very nicely. He was locked down in some of those one-on-one drills. So those were some of the notes I got from the practice. We're going to have more for that for you guys all week long. I know tomorrow's practice is not available to the media. I don't know what that means about the NFL Network being there and broadcasting it. I have the DVR all set up and ready to go, so I will try my best to get you that. If not, I have those Jim Caldwell interviews I will play for you here on the podcast, but that's neither here nor there. Let's get back into this practice on Tuesday here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, talking about these quarterbacks because, frankly, that's going to be something the Dolphins are going to be very invested in this offseason. They can tell you all they want about 2020, but they are going to do due diligence on all of these guys and meet with them and put them on the whiteboard, go over their film and get the best look possible at all these guys because frankly, some of them could wind up going in the top 10 or to our spot at number 13, whether we like it or not. So let's go ahead and talk quarterbacks now. And the first thing that warrants mentioning is what John Gruden, the coach of the North squad said at his post or pre-practice press availability, say that five times fast, about what the quarterback position looks like in today's NFL. And he said that he's throwing away all of his old prototypes at the position. He used to believe in those things. Then I saw Breeze. Then I met Russell Wilson. And now I'm watching this Murray, referring to Kyle Murray, and how things have changed. End quote there from John Gruden. So even John Gruden, the guy that wants to throw it back to 1998, is finding different ways to evaluate quarterbacks. And especially when you have guys like Baker Mayfield or Drew Brees or Russell Wilson succeeding at the next level and a guy like Kyler Murray trying to follow in their footsteps coming up right behind them. And that conversation was not exclusive only to John Gruden. NFL Network's Mike Garofolo, who is one of the top reporters there on the network, talked about how word is spreading throughout Mobile that the process of prototyping these quarterbacks has changed and the mixed or even polarized feelings on Russell Wilson back in 2012 kind of magnify where the league has gone because back then, plenty of guys loved him and plenty of guys wanted nothing to do with him at the time. And he has ushered in this new age quarterback that if they can create, and this is a quote from Garofolo, quote, if they can create their own passing lanes, but also allow teams to implement some of the RPO game, the play action game, the zone read, all that fun stuff. They don't need the traditional style quarterback anymore, end quote. He said that on the air, and he's getting these news and notes from people that are down in Mobile that make decisions for these teams. So very interesting stuff. I think that's why Kyler Murray ends up going very highly in this draft. And we'll talk more about the top two guys down in Mobile here on the other side of the podcast here. But let's go ahead and start with my dude from Washington State University, Gardner Minshew. And he wasn't really available on the screen that often on the broadcast for the five hours on NFL Network. But Daniel Jeremiah did make a comment in the one-on-one drills that he was throwing with a lot of anticipation, which we couldn't see because they only had the camera fixed on the receiver and the DB. But he was throwing with anticipation, according to Jeremiah, in that drill better than any other quarterback, which. I expected because that's what he did in Pullman here at Washington State, getting the job done for the Cougs. We'll see more of him later in the week. Will Greer was all over the place with his accuracy. There was a report about him not showing up to a press availability, which I guess was nixed and not proven or proven to not be true. But on the field, he was a bit of a disaster because his mechanics are inconsistent and it showed on Tuesday. He can't drive the ball. I've talked about it. The field side comeback or out route, the skinny post, those tight windows, he's going to leave those balls hanging and those passes get picked off very easily. And the layups, the underneath stuff, the play actions, the rolls, the crossers, guys wide open all day 
long form, and he was short hopping him. He was throwing behind just the mechanic. He doesn't square up his target well enough. I don't like his game at all. I hope he's not in the Dolphins' crosshairs. Tyree Jackson, another guy that was all over the place. The Buffalo quarterback who is six foot seven, 249 pounds. If he comes into the league, he'll be tied for the tallest quarterback with Brock the Giraffe, and he'll be the heaviest quarterback, bigger than Cam Newton. But Daniel Jeremiah talked about this comment referring to what Jackson is as a big-time playmaker, and he said, you put the highlight tape on of the 10 or 15 best throws in college football, all of them were Tyree Jackson, every single one of them, but he misses way too many layups. He said, I've seen the 360 dunks. Now just show me you can show me you can hit me you can hit the you can hit the layup. He did not hit the layups on Tuesday. So tough day for Jackson as well. Ryan Finley from North Carolina State, he just can't play. His arm is worse than Daniel Jones's, which we'll get to here in a minute. He can't do it. I don't know why he's even out there. Sixth year player in college. He's just not good enough. And then McSorley, well, we don't gotta talk about him either. In fact, this will be the last time you'll hear me talk about Ryan Finley or Trace McSorley on the podcast, but everyone's eyes were on two separate guys. We're going to talk Daniel Jones and Drew Locke next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. Both. Daniel Jones and Drew Locke met with the Dolphins at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama on Tuesday. Those are the only two meets we have reported so far for the Dolphins. I will be keeping an eye out all week long for you guys and posting them both LockedOnDolphins.com. Have them here on the podcast as well as at my Twitter account, at WingfulNFL. But they did these meetings with Dan Marino. How nice is it to be able to usher in a Hall of Famer like that to give the kids some shell shock, but also put them in, I suppose, a more pressure situation and also just to have the evaluation of Dan Marino. It simply is just a good thing all around for the Dolphins to have. But I got to thinking about these two guys and for those that are sick of hearing me talk about Kyler Murray over and over again, this whole segment is going to be about the other two quarterbacks that could go high in this draft. Now, the crazy thing here to me According to the Stick to Football podcast, which I highly recommend, along with Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks, of course, Locked On Draft and the Draft Dudes here on the Locked On Podcast Network, but those guys on Stick to Football are certain that four quarterbacks go in this first round and that three of them go in the top 10. So that to me means Murray and Haskins will be two of those guys. But let's talk about the one that I could I could see myself talking myself into along this long road. I want to go back and look over his tape again because he makes a lot of boneheaded decisions and the accuracy kind of fluctuates with the poor footwork that comes and goes. You just never know. But Drew Locke, the physical traits are there and the mentality and the persona, I think maybe could be there as well because they talked about it on the broadcast all day long that to a man, every one of his teammates will talk about his confidence and his swagger and how he commands a locker room. And that was what he talked about at his press availability pre-practice on Tuesday was his biggest asset was being able to go into a locker room and be adaptable and lead guys, but also on the field, his ability to get out of pressure and make a bad play a good one. 
with his improvisational skills. So that's nice to hear about. As far as what he is as a player, we're going to have to see more. I thought he ripped the ball pretty good on Tuesday, threw it through some poor weather and had the ball on target and coming out of the hand quick. All these quarterbacks were a little bit behind and late, which I understand with these new connections, there isn't any chemistry there whatsoever. But I didn't know this about Drew Locke, but he had division one offers to play college basketball, which is a big, big deal to me. I'm all about the multi-sport athlete. To me, it shows you that your functionality and athleticism is not just based on what the drills you've ran in one sport or just based on the gameplay you've played in one sport. It just comes natural to you. And that's how you get guys that move so naturally and play the game so well at a high level, in my opinion. Now, you don't have to have that, but it does go a long way. And Drew Locke being that type of an athlete with that type of feet, that's a good sign for me. So I'll be paying really, really close attention to him throughout the course of this week. We have heard that the Denver Broncos love Drew Locke, and it wouldn't even surprise me if he goes up higher than that into the top seven or maybe even the top five when it's all said and done with trade-ups and all that fun stuff. And the other guy that people are talking about in that range, the one that is being touted as a top 10 pick almost unanimously, it seems, by a lot of high-level scouts that I am just not seeing at all. I think he's more he's closer to being undraftable then he is being a top 10 pick. And they were talking about this install on the practice on Tuesday. And the South squad was having a hell of a time getting this post backside crosser concept installed where you run the, the boundary side receiver to the post and you run the field side receiver across over the backside of the play to the deep over, which is about a 20 yard route on a crossing route. And if you recall, the Dolphins ran this thing all the time under Adam Gaze. First, it was Jarvis Landry, and then in 2017, it was more Kenny Stills, and then going forward, it was other guys into the offense as well, but they always ran these deep over routes, and Daniel and Tannehill could rip him in there because of his big arm, but Daniel Jones was struggling so bad to get it up and down over that linebacker and up the field and under the safety with any velocity. He has to put so much touch on his throws. I just think that he's not going to make a good player at the next level, and that's a big reason why, but some of my other scouting notes on him, just that I don't think he's really all that special and he's getting touted up because of the fact that there aren't many quarterbacks that are in that area. I talked about it on the podcast yesterday. He needs a clean base to drive the football. His power comes from a very long stride and a long windup. His footwork is smooth from a mechanical standpoint and his crossover and climb are both sharp. He has an ability to reset from RPO action and get himself back into a throwing position. He's a sneaky, solid runner, not quick or fast. And like I mentioned, he's kind of Tannehill-like in that way. He can get strip-sacked because he fails to account for blitzes on the backside and just kind of stands in the pocket despite speed rushes coming off the edge. No real eternal clock you internal clock that you'd like to see. I know Dolphins fans don't want to hear any more about that. The release and setup are very long up top. His decision-making is not great, despite the fact that that's kind of his saving grace. And the one big saving grace I always hear about Daniel Jones is the fact that he plays under David Cliffcuff, which is like this great thing for him. And it always gets brought up, which to me means he's lacking in other areas. And if he's if his coaching is already as good as it's going to get, doesn't that mean his game has kind of peaked a little bit? I don't know. I just don't see it there. He can't really create drive with his lower half or the arm. He doesn't really have the ability to throw altered arm angle throws. Maybe he can, but I didn't see it on his tape. The arm to me is a pop gun arm. I just don't like him. I hope the Dolphins stay far, far, far away. And Drew Locke, I might warm up to that idea. So 
Those two guys are the only ones the Dolphins have official meets lined up with or that they had on Tuesday night. Like I said, we'll get more of those for you guys as the week goes along, and we'll have the update for today's practice on tomorrow's podcast, the Wednesday practice on Thursday's Locked on Dolphins podcast. We'll have that for you guys tomorrow, but that is my time for today's show. If you have a smart speaker, you can play the Locked on Dolphins podcast. Just say play Locked on Dolphins podcast, a new feature we can now operate for. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.